Welcome to the Because Radio Road Trip. Today, we're visiting the St. Boniface Museum. Let's go. I'm Jeremy Morantz. I'm here in the St. Boniface Museum right now with Vanya Gagnon, the director of the museum. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, thanks for being here. One thing I mentioned um, uh, off mic is as soon as you walk into the museum, it feels like you're being transported back in time. I'm sure you hear that all the time. So uh, can you talk about why this museum is referred to as the lived-in museum? I'm very happy that you brought it up because I don't I haven't heard anybody come up to me and say that in a little while. And every time I hear it, it's like, oh, yes, it, it really is a lived in museum. And the reason that we say that is because this was uh, the Grey Nuns convent. And of course, convents, uh, especially this one, which was the first one in the entire Northwest, they were the first congregation of religious women who came out here uh, to do work. Um, this one was a multi-purpose building for well over a hundred years. And so aside from obviously being the Grey Nuns home, uh, it was really a hospitality center. Uh, they started taking inpatients here uh, from the get-go as soon as they could. Uh, the convent was also an orphanage. Uh, there are over 7,000 children who lived here uh, in this space. Uh, they also began um, taking in the elderly. So it was a, a senior's home or hospice also. And so it actually really, in fact, has been lived in. Uh, and, and that feeling that you get, uh, most visitors who come here do uh, comment on that. They, they feel that warmth. They feel the authenticity. You can still see the original construction. Um, and so our exhibits are sort of fitted into the space that was always used but yeah this was a home and uh, we're so happy that people can still come and visit and it's striking how well the building itself has been preserved so I, I'm wondering like what what tactics you guys use to make sure that this this building doesn't fall apart because again it really does feel like it's it's the same building that it always has been What's interesting with the building that what we have now is actually the original size um, of the convent. Over the years, the Grey Nuns um, added annexes and like double two-level annexes and corridors and ways to reach the next buildings as their their um, their work grew. Uh, but we were back to the original size, and a lot of work was done in the 50s and 60s to get this place ready to open as a public space, so get it up to code and, and increase access. Um, but we always feel, and we're a museum with a, a collection of about 30,000 objects, but for us, really, it's the building that is um, our probably most beloved, but also most demanding artifact. Um, it has uh, historic designations at all levels, so municipal, provincial, and federal. Uh, and so when there are significant works that need to happen to maintain its integrity, typically the three levels of government will come together and ensure that it's done properly and that it's funded. Um, but on a, a daily basis, it, it is definitely the building that takes up a lot of our time and energy. And people might not realize, but it's the largest oak log structure in North America. Uh, and uh, quite the undertaking to construct it back in 1846. In fact, it took five years to complete it, 
and the nuns uh, lived in here and worked out of here when when the upper levels were still in scaffolding and all that but um, because it is a wood structure humidity is always a concern for us so we do need to keep this building at a certain humidity level um, and sometimes because we also have objects and artifacts in here the humidity levels that the building needs uh, to be healthy uh, is in competition with the types of objects that we have in here so we need to take some objects out every once in a while and give them a, a breather because uh, the humidity is is not good for let's say uh, paper or or textiles uh, as much as it is for the building. That's interesting. I like the way you phrased it. The, the building itself is an artifact. And I do want to ask you about the, some of the artifacts actually within the building itself. But uh, first, I know you have all kinds of events and programs and uh, it's nonstop here. Currently, there's a play in production uh, in Riel's Footsteps. Can you talk to us about uh, what that play is? Sure. Well, Inriel's Footsteps is sort of a, a really, probably the funnest little history lesson you'll ever uh, have in your life. It's a lighthearted take on uh, the history of the creation of our province. And it's actually completely bilingual. So you, you come to the museum and you get to meet your teacher, uh, Miss Angélique Nolin. And Angélique is, of course, a really important character in, in or person in our history because she and her sister were the first instructors here at Red River, uh, predating the Grey Nuns by decades. Uh, so Angélique Nolin, uh, our version of her, uh, brings you along through the cemetery and we've got other characters that pop up here and there behind trees from behind tombstones and what we try to do is well we tell the story of the creation of the province uh, by stopping at some of the illustrious characters tombstones but in a light-hearted funny contemporary there's music in there uh, it's it's a great outdoor activity uh, and um, you get to visit the museum and learn about the cemetery and the cathedral all at once. It's really cool how you guys, you really do bring history to life here and it helps being in an environment that really feels like like you're there. So uh, what are some of the uh, artifacts or uh, you know historical memorabilia that exists here in the museum that you think uh, would really uh, draw people's interest? Well, there are so many great things that we have in this museum. We've got about, well, we've got nine permanent exhibits. Um, all of our themes have to do with French-Canadian and Métis history. Um, I would definitely say that the biggest draw for tourists and um, local community alike is our collection of objects uh, that belong to Louis Diel or that had, uh, you know, a, a link to the other people who... Um, uh, worked and lived with Riel. Uh, it's it's definitely the exhibit where we see uh, the visitors are, are spending a lot of time in. Uh, for for some people, it's almost a pilgrimage for them to come and be amongst those objects. So we are very proud and and take the job of caring for um, that part of our history really seriously and it, it makes us very happy to be able to share that year round. But we also have you know, great objects. We have the saber that Jean-Baptiste Lachimotier was given uh, by Lord Selkirk as a, a thank you for making that trek on foot from here to Montreal over winter. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the envelope, or it's more like a, a leather little pouch or satchel, I guess you could call it, uh, that he took those papers in. 
uh, we've got beautiful examples of of beadwork uh, that was done by uh, some of the bigger members of the bigger Métis families. Uh, we have a whole exhibit on the cathedral uh, and um, the objects that were damaged in the fire in 1968. And that's a huge, really important uh, event in our community history is when, when the cathedral burnt down. Uh, you know, we have a country kitchen set up upstairs, and that's always fun, especially for children who, uh, you know, haven't grown up on farms, or maybe nowadays farms are getting rarer and rarer. The family farms are disappearing, so it's nice to explain how much more connected people used to be to their food source. And for older people, they come in that exhibit and they remember, they remember their own youths on the farm or uh, being at grandma and grandpa's place when they were growing up. So we're, uh, you know, there's something for everybody. We also have. Uh, a replica of a 1920s townhouse in St. Boniface of a more of an upper middle class uh, type of family. So beautiful things like uh, actual chandeliers, uh, silverware, beautiful piano, uh, a gramophone, you know, all those types of things that we associate with the 1920s. We've got a whole room of that too. Can you tell us... Uh about the the Manitoba Heritage Trust program, and uh, you guys, of course, are part of that program. What does what does it mean to you? Well, we were very happy with the opportunity of opening uh, a fund with that program. The Friends of the Saint Boniface Museum uh, exist to support some very specific areas of the work that we do at the museum, uh, and. You know, having a trust and being able to uh, one day pull from that trust is going to help us to be able to uh, provide great uh, restorative conservation work to some of the objects in our collection. Um, you know, that back end kind of work that happens in museums, uh, most of the public don't uh, necessarily have an opportunity to see uh, how long it takes to um, accept an object, to uh, prepare it for storage or prepare it for exhibit. Everything needs to be cleaned properly and very delicately. And so experts need to be brought in to do that work. And, uh, you know, even just the time it takes to create a perfect box for that object uh, to be properly cared for and brought to storage or to be put on display. So, um, you know, that fund is going to help us with that back-end work that nobody sees, but it's also going to allow us to uh, fund some of that fantastic programming that uh, we just talked about, like in Riel's footsteps, uh, or those days where we on purpose provide free access to the community. Uh, it's really important to the museum to be able to have those uh, celebratory days that we are known for, such as uh, Riel Day, Manitoba Day, we do Doors Open Winnipeg, we always have a fantastic event on Canada Day, uh, we do Culture Days and Nuit Blanche as well. We have Noël au Musée, which is a beautiful Christmas event that happens at the end of November every year with a local crafters market. So all of these events that we like to open our doors and encourage Winnipeggers to, to come and access the museum for free, uh, that, that program or that trust program is we're going to be able to tap in there and make sure that we can keep doing those things for the community. So if listeners out there, uh, want to come by, uh, they want to learn more, where, where would you direct them and what would you tell them to do? 
Well, if they're not familiar with where the museum is located, we are uh, right on the banks of the Red River, on, on uh, the other side of Taché Avenue, of course, between the St. Boniface Hospital and the cathedral. Uh, I think people are sometimes... Um, not upset, but maybe just a little frustrated that we don't have a parking lot. That's always something to keep in mind. So we like to tell people to take a, a nice historic stroll down uh, Tashi Avenue and make their way to the museum. It's worth a little walk. You can park beside the cathedral and walk over or on Depain Street, which is just south of us, and, and make your way up. If you are uh, somebody who needs some assistance or have reduced mobility, in that case, I would say give us a call before hand or send us an email uh, you know if you google us online you'll find our 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 email address but our phone number is 237-4500 and then we can make arrangements because we do have a fire lane at the back that we can use temporarily for somebody who who can be um, just to be dropped off and picked up St. Boniface Museum you got to check it out Vanya thank you so much for talking to me today mm, you're more than welcome and if you've got a, an hour or two to uh uh, that you don't know what to do with in the summertime, please do come down and visit us. We've got great programming every day. Thanks for joining us on the Because Radio Road Trip. We'll see you next week, same time, different place.